you. Okay, being that the front rows are mostly empty, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell you today we're going to be a little more interactive like a small group so you guys will end up sitting close together because you guys are going to talk to each other. <gasps> That's so scary. So scary. What is he going to do next? Okay, I'm going to teach you guys how to do climate control today. Climate control of adjusting your own atmosphere. So like if you're at work and you're having problems, you feel defeated, everybody hates me, this life is just horrible, you're going to learn to change the atmosphere to, you know what, my work is my dependence, I'm grateful to you Lord, and you're going to help me get through this, and you're going to be able to give me the strength to do it. Or the atmosphere of over here like, Man, my family is so tense right now. My parents just don't get me. My life is so difficult, and I just don't know to overhear. Lord, thank you for giving the people that are around with me. I'm going to change that atmosphere. Help me to figure out how to change my family. Now, most of you know my new job. We deal with 180 people. Average age is 80 to 100 years old, which is kind of a very different thing. Cindy and I are on 24-hour call, so you have a little button, you hit it, we come a-running. And when you have people at that age, you have different difficulties, some of them going through sundowners and Alzheimer's and those things, so I'll go out at 2.30 in the morning and someone's roaming the halls and confused and I get to love on them. But when they're all at the dinner table, they can be cranky at times, fearful, because they don't know what their life is. People that live in their 90s have outlived a lot of their children, and they're angry about that. How do you change their atmosphere? How do you do? So this, this word today, this, what I've done, Cindy and I have been practicing this for the last six weeks. How do we help people understand the different atmosphere? How do we be able to get them through those difficult, difficult times? And it's not easy. The other night, Cindy and I got a call at 2.30 in the morning. We go running up, third story floor. I think it was third. It's all confusing to me. She still outruns me. It frustrates me. <laughs> we walk into the room. The gentleman is laying in his bed. Something hurt, broke, you know, because usually you're called out for falls or something tragic. And he's just sitting in the bed smiling at us. I'm going like, what's up? He goes, I'm lonely. I knew if I pushed this button, you would come. I'm going, it's too, okay. And he had one of those devices, you know, where they got the screen, and, and, uh, and Cindy happened to remember the family's name. It's kind of like, a, 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 what's the thing? Anyway, she goes, call Patty, which is his daughter, and the screen comes up at 2 a.m. and said, hey, your dad is lonely. Good night. We're going to bed now. <laughs> but in that, it, you, you've got to learn to change atmospheres in the most difficult times. We're going to watch a little video and then we're going to discuss how do we change atmospheres. Yeah. 
It's either the world and its pleasures or it's Christ. at how do we let God help us define those moments so we can have climate change. Now, when we talk about theology and different things, I want to make it clear. They're essentials, essentials of the faith. Matter of fact, what Lucas sang about, who Christ is, what we sang that lost song, that's essential. You're with me? Now, there are some unessentials that sometimes we can disagree on and and we have grace to love each other. So just so you know where I'm coming from on this, I'm going to give you some of my unessential, but I think you need to understand where I'm taking this from. First of all, in this world, there is a view that the world is evil, the human body is evil, and the mind is evil. Okay? I do not believe that. matter of fact, when God said he created earth, he created man, and he said it was good, I do believe that. Now, I do believe we can have evil thoughts, and I believe we can do evil things with our body. But essentially, what God has given us is good, and this earth, and it's amazing, is good. Amen? The other part, they call it sensationalism. Sensationalism, I want to go through that. Sensationalists believe the spiritual gifts have ended. That there are no more. There's no more miracles. Hardcore sensationalists also believe there's no more demons or evil in this world. There's evil as it floats around out of our human thing, but they don't believe any of those things exist. And for me, I don't see that in Scripture. I happen to see, and I have, been, I have seen the battle of good and evil. I have seen the ugly face of things. I have seen miracles, and I believe those things, the God that we serve is powerful and can still do those things. It doesn't mean he doesn't do them the same way. And we see out through history, we see miracles change. But when I hear missionaries all over the world and what God is doing, I know I've got a powerful God and those things still exist. Now, you can disagree with me on this part of it, but I want you to absolutely understand as we look at climate change, my perspective a little bit, my theology. Number one, if you believe this, I want you to remember, because if we're going to look at how you change your atmosphere and who you are, I don't want you to forget who you are by God. Number one. Matter of fact, the Bible says in translations, you are a magnificent creation. You're his gift. 
And if we struggle with that, we forget that. It's hard. Matter of fact, Psalms 92.12 says, The righteous will flourish like palm trees. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now, B and I live out in the desert where there's a lot of palm trees. And I read this verse, I'm going like, I like that. God made each of you in this room to flourish. To be strong. To have a life. To have joy when situations are hard and difficult. And so if I'm going to be a palm tree and I'm going to overcome the storms, I need to have Christ right in the center. Just what you say. God has also made us like the palm tree very flexible. Very flexible. We look at Micah 7, 8 and it says, uh, when we fall, we will rise again. I believe that. I've tripped up. And I know who gets me up. And I also, before we dig into this, I don't want to ever, us, and we talked about this two weeks, to forsake our time in prayer. Because if we're looking at climate change, number one thing to be able to change the climate of people around us is our time in prayer. And who we are. And our time in the Word. And our commitment to do those things. Our commitment to walk with Christ. The essentials that we talked about. We've got to be able to stay connected. And the other thing is, as we're looking to be able to help change climates, to be able to do those things, we can never forsake the place where sometimes our power is renewed. The church. Hanging out with you guys, with each other. Now, just so you know, the leadership has been looking. We ran an ad two weeks ago looking for an internship program. And what we're looking for is some interns to be able to come here and help us connect to the neighborhood so we just aren't serving each other. This community needs us. So in that, we've, seen, we've had 14 applicants, five of which we're going to actually discuss a little bit today, and we're going to dream, like, uh, how do we help these? And most of them are out of seminary and doing different things. Azusa Pacific call, called us, Life Bible called us, and they're interested because when I ran the ad, here's what I put. Small church with tremendous faith people with leadership that will teach you. And so the people that have called, that was the ad. We didn't talk about money. We didn't do anything. We just said, if you want to grow in your leadership skills, this is the place to be. And it's been neat to see the letters that come in because we're going to look at how do we change the atmosphere out there, not just here once a Sunday. So that is my... Um, kind of this, we as a church. The other part is we cannot forsake the power of partnership. When you guys come here and what we do, this is partnership with church, accountability, to be able to challenge each other. We have to connect to people to help our spiritual life. The other part is, is humility and submissiveness is critical if we are going to be weather people that can change the climate around us whether it's anger in a household. I don't know if you guys have ever walked into a church and you're going, man, the climate's just, something's not right here. If we're going to be people that are be able to, that humility has to be a big part of it. Matter of fact, in Hebrews, it tells us very clearly, obey the rulers who are over you, be submissive, uh, for they watch out for the souls, for those who give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For what would be 
uh, unprofitable for you. Now, for me, being in full-time ministry for the last 20 years, and you know, and you always apply this to a pastor, but when you go back to the working world and you have corporations involved and stuff like that, I've learned giving respect and humility to people allows you allows people to listen to you. Also, we have to, if we're going to dive into this, we have to, have to rely on the shepherd's protection if we're going to change the climate. Because if we're going to change the climate, you're going to enter difficult situations. When you go to college, you young people, or any of those things, you're going to change those situations. You have to rely on the shepherd's protection. If you remember in Psalms 23, 4, it talks about the rod and the staff. The staff is for jerking those sheep to get them back on the right path. The rod is for the protection. It was a device that the shepherds had that had heavy knobs on each end, and something came after the sheep. They were able to throw it in such a way to take out the predators. And that's the part when we are doing battle, we are wanting to change the atmosphere in our home. Because let me tell you, the many countless times where I've sat in on marriages falling apart or things going on, it's the ability to change the atmosphere in the home and shift it to the right direction. Not letting circumstances or evil determine it, but what you rely on. So let's talk about the two atmospheres because this is where scripture comes in. Um, I believe there's a physical atmosphere and I believe there is a spiritual atmosphere. Does anybody know why I believe that? Where does that come out from in the Bible? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness hmm. in heavenly places. So here's where I'm going to have you guys cross seats, and I've got a few questions for you that I need you guys to talk about. Maybe sit with somebody you don't know and divide up because you guys are kind of spread out. First question I want you to ask each other, has there ever been a situation where you felt the air was so tense? And have you ever been in like a family reunion or a place where the atmosphere was just wrong? Just get together, share with each other where you have felt that real quickly. I can wait. It means you have to move out of your chairs and sit next to each other and have a discussion. <laughs> uh, go to your house. We'll go share with somebody else. Go, go talk with each other. Move around. Have you ever been in a place where the air has been tense? Talk about it. Or a family situation where it's like, man, I don't know what to do with that. How do you get out of it?
All right, my next question is, you guys can, have you ever seen an atmosphere, and share time maybe when you've experienced this, where you have seen holiness and praise and worship and love, and you just felt the attraction that the Holy Spirit was working? Share a time where you have felt that. Okay, my next question for you to discuss, this one a little harder. Have you ever been in an atmosphere, maybe it's in an atmosphere of drunkenness or drinking or anger or where you've seen hatred and you have seen like, man, this just 
feels evil. This is just beyond, something's going on here I don't understand. If you see, share it. If you've experienced something like that sometime, maybe you haven't, but maybe you have. Share it. That one's a little harder. I got quiet on that one. It is very clear each of our impact by the Spirit and the atmosphere is our choice. We get to choose how we impact the areas we are. But I also know we got to be careful sometimes to use wisdom where we're going to impact. For instance, and in, in not here, but when people and they go, oh yeah, I'm going to go hang out at the bar. And I used to be an alcoholic. I'm going to go help everybody at the bar. Probably not a wise choice. And I will tell you, as a pastor, there's a few times I had to go haul those people out of the bar. But my next question for you is, and I know you've probably seen the difference in atmosphere, but what about a church? What about a church? How does the atmosphere that here, how do you guys think the atmosphere that we're a part of affects the way God moves. How do you guys think it affects the way God moves? Talk about it. How do you think it does?
good to see you too, guys. Good to see you guys. After you have to wrap up that conversation, you can go back to your seat. Unless you're comfortable with who you're hanging out with, you're welcome to stay there. I said I had to put these scriptures to test today, so let's talk about a minute. Is the atmosphere that we're involved with, does, what is it, how does it affect how God moves? Mark 6, 5 through 6. He could do, he could not do any miracles except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. God does respond to atmosphere as well, but He is everywhere. He is in everything. But there is something where He manifests His Spirit equally everywhere, but God manifests His Spirit in when the atmosphere is right. He loves celebration. He loves the atmosphere of true worship. And what's cool today when Lucas came in one of the songs, and it's just like the prayer thing. He had songs about prayer. He didn't know what I was preaching on because I've been flaky and not telling him. And then he was, the song he chose this week just reflected what it says in Psalm 22.3. God inhabits the praises of his people. The atmosphere changes. He inhabits he inhabits. So when I walk out on 180 people at breakfast who are really grumpy, I'm going like, man, Lord, I want you to inhabit my praise this morning. They may have lost somebody. They may have been so sick. They may be so confused at those things. And I get to give them a glimpse. I get to change the atmosphere. And Cindy and I were talking about this. I said, Cindy, do you think we've been able to change the atmosphere for these people just a little just a little on this. And one of the, the people, because a lot of them don't know I'm pastor except it's starting to get around. But every once in a while when I'm talking in front of them, I accidentally say amen, and they're going like, what's that all about? So one of the elderly came up and said, I heard you're a pastor. And I'm going, yeah. He said, we're starting to see it's leaking out everywhere. <laughs> the word in habit means he is enthroned. He is enthroned and he's comfortable enough to sit down in a place of atmosphere that is filled with celebration and praise and gratefulness. He is enthroned. Isn't that what I want in my house at the dinner table with my family, with my kids, with my grandkids? He's enthroned. I don't know about you, but when I feel, when I feel the atmosphere with complaining, fault-finding, murmuring and whining, I'm not inviting the presence of God at all. Matter of fact, it has quite, quite the opposite effect. Stinking thinking doesn't cultivate an atmosphere change. So, if we're letting the Holy Spirit dominate our life, if we're letting him create an atmosphere that dwells in us, Galatians says this, 
When that happens, the fruit of the Spirit is in you and it creates an atmosphere for the presence of the Holy Spirit. When we're letting that dominance happen in our height, Ephesians, I love the way Ephesians says it. Ephesians 2.22 says, He dwells in you. You are a vessel of the Holy Spirit and He will take you into His presence. That's where the climate starts to change. So what kind of atmosphere today each one of us do we have in our life and are you ready for more of a climate change and where do we start doing that first of all we got to keep in the spirit of prayer I, I love Lucas saying like Marshall let's bring worship right in our time of prayer and it was like again he was cheating and looking at my notes again it creates this atmosphere around you did you guys sense that in our time of prayer this morning Can you imagine that, that power in your situation in your home or in your job or with your friends or with the grumpiest people who are the most fearful? We fast, we pray, we worship, we intercede, we stand at wage against a spiritual realm and we cannot let the enemy in any way, the python. Now where did I dig that up? talks about, Cindy and I were just looking in Acts 17, the python, and, and let me give you the thing. It was when G, uh, they were casting out demons, and there was a woman fortune teller, and the name they used was python when, before they cast out the demon out of her. Now, at that time, there was a lot of Greek lore, and they worshipped a python, and they did this. But in the atmosphere, in this atmosphere, this description of the python, first of all, pythons thrive on certain climates. And what a python does, it just squeezes you. Just squeezes you till you're dead. And in this atmosphere, and you look at this world of negativity, and we have the answer, and you see it squeezed. Matter of fact, it, statistically, pythons, they can bear the most eggs in warm climate. And I don't want to give way to any kind of evil like that. We have the ability to end that. It goes on to say, we cannot let the enemy, the python, work his way in our lives and squeeze the life out of us. Now here's the deal. If you believe this, if you believe this scripture, James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's the power each of us have because of the Holy Spirit. Now I'll tell you this little story. Some of you have heard me talk about him before. One day I have this, he was six foot three, walks in, long hair, he had the pentagram tattooed on his face. He was a full-on Satanist, walked into the church. And uh, he just said, I felt like I had to come here. And in that, he came. I, we didn't push the agenda, but eventually he came to know the Lord. Now, when you worship Satan the majority of your life, not an easy gig on this thing. And he was a scary-looking dude. So one day, he calls me up and says, Marshall, Marshall, I need you to come over to my house. I need you, I need you to cast out demons in the room. I'm going like, well, that may not be in my repertoire, but okay, let me come on over. So I go on, he takes me down in this dark basement, and this is where all of he and his cohorts worship Satan. They have a giant pentagram on the floor, diagrams all over the wall, and he's going like, I need you, because I still hear the stuff down here. I need you to cast out whatever's down here. I'm going like, well, here's what I know to do. I'm going to pray. So we prayed, and, I, and, and we prayed about it, and he, he claims that, you know, there was this, but I said, we've got to change the atmosphere here. And he goes, what do you mean? We're painting this place. 
and we're giving it to God, that's where it's going to happen. So I called the men of the church, and we all head over there, and we got paint buckets, and they go down, and they look at this room. I ain't going in there. Well, that's just creepy, and I'm going like, okay, guys, we're practicing Scripture today. Resist the devil, and he will flee. So as every paint's broke, everything's fleeing out of this room. That's the God we serve to change the atmosphere in this crazy, crazy world that sometimes gets to do this. Yes. Oh, thank you, Cindy. That was the other part. Did you hear what she said? <laughs> we brought posters of Jesus and hung it all over the room. So, Philippians 3.3, 3, for we, that's us, say we, you believe it? Okay. Our true circumcision, who worship God in spirit, by the spirit of God, and exalt his glory, and pride ourselves in Jesus Christ, not in our own confidence or dependence in the flesh, on outward privileges or physical advantages or external preferences. This is how the message says it. I love this. The real believers are the ones the Spirit of God leads to work away at his ministry, filling the air with Christ's praise as we do it. We couldn't carry it off on our own efforts, and we must. I love that. Filling the air with Christ's praise. That's changing climate. So right now, if you're struggling with being happy with your life, if you're struggling with a change in spiritual atmosphere, and this is the one that I've been practicing for five weeks with 180 people, and I will tell you it works, and I call it the four G's. If you want to change the atmosphere, whether it's at the dinner table with your family, whether with its grumpy people, whether it's at work, number one is grace. The first G is grace. Cut people slack. Cut them some, instead of cutting them off, cut them some, be humble and with compassion and forgiveness. And forgiveness is so powerful. And, you know, I, and they, come at, they come at you, man. If you serve them coffee wrong, if you don't do something wrong, and I'm going like, and then I'm going like, wait a minute. I gotta practice a G. I gotta if your kid hurts you, and that's that's a hard thing for sometimes for people, is when their kids are growing and they just feel like they don't care anymore. Number two, if you want to change the atmosphere, if you want evil to run, gratitude. Gratitude. Be thankful for everything that happens, good or not good. Put more compliments than complaints in front of the Lord. Changes the atmosphere. Generosity. Gee. Give, give, give. And I'm not just talking money. Sure, energy and time. But here's the thing that you can give away so clearly to everybody is kindness. And it, it takes effort. It takes effort. Or try leaving money in places where people will find it. Cody, that young man, and he's driving around because where we live, there's a huge homeless population every corner in the world. So he, he's, he's going like, can we take them lunch? Can we take them lunch? I'm going like, sure. Or 
Maybe it's giving somebody a big tip and, and being courteous to them, but, or maybe it's just being kind to somebody who doesn't do it. My last G in everything, and this creates a huge, huge climate change, and this is what you see him, give the glory to God. Give the glory to God. And we can change those atmospheres. So not only are these things going to change, consequently, they're going to change you. Scripture says we will reap and we will reap what we sow when we are full, when we're infiltrated with the Holy Spirit and we depend on God. Amen? So as Lucas comes up to close us in worship, Thank you for letting me stretch you a little differently and talking with each other. And test it this week. Try the four G's. Try the four G's where your most difficult spot is and see if this book works. I guarantee you it will.